0: On the Record with Gavin Riley, Brought to you by PwC
1: on News Talk.
0: Uh, we're thankfully uh, far enough, hopefully, uh, past the peak of the COVID pandemic to maybe think about the nature of uh, work and of workplaces um, in Ireland and around the world. Uh, PwC has undertaken a major study about the hopes of fears of workers here in Macon. In fact, the, the study is called Hopes and Fears. Alicia uh, Milan is Senior Manager at PwC People and Organisations. She's with me in studio. Alicia thanks for coming in. Uh, can you talk me through some of your major findings?
1: Yes, of course. So the Hopes and Fears survey looked at the responses of over 52,000 people across 44 countries, including Ireland, making it the largest workforce survey of its kind. Um, It covered a lot of areas, Gavin, I'll be honest. So it's hard to narrow in on on just a few topics, but to give you a sense... um, one of the major themes that came through is that retention continues to be a major issue for organisations with over 56% of Irish respondents indicating that they would be likely to switch in the next 12 months. That's quite a high percentage. It's of a high workers. percentage. That, that the
0: idea of four out of every seven people will be prepared to, to move workforce. Is that maybe a sign of one of the natural things that happens when you have basically full employment that workers feel like it's now a workers' market and that they can pick and choose where they want to go or what they want to work in?
1: It's an interesting point. I, I think what we're seeing is, is that people especially people who have in-demand skills, feel like they can explore what options are out there for them and understand what are the, the rewards that they can get for the skills that they have.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm interrupting you in mid-flow there. What's some of the other major findings uh, (laughs) from your survey? So
1: secondly, and and I've already touched upon it, um, those who have in-demand skills, so those who where there's a skills shortage in Ireland um, are more likely to to act with a sense of power and to feel empowered in their work. So what does that look like? They're more likely to ask for a raise, they're more likely to look for a promotion and they're also more likely to be satisfied in their jobs and to feel listened to by their managers. So generally this part of the workforce have that sense of empowerment and feel um, more satisfied in their jobs. Thirdly, there's an interesting um, dynamic and a difference between younger workers. So those aged 18 to 24. Um, and th- this uh, response base is different to the rest of the response base. And, and what that looks like is they're less satisfied in their jobs. They're more likely to feel concerned about being overlooked for a promotion opportunity um, they're less likely to feel listened to by their manager and they're more likely to change some aspect of their employment in the next 12 months whether that's working hours or whether that's employer altogether uh,
0: I know that obviously it, this only being a sort of a headline figures thing that you can't drill too far into the the root causes of something like that but but if so many under 25s feel somewhat precarious or that they may be overlooked at work is there something maybe systematic that might cause that or, or is it possible that it was, it was always the case that the people who are most junior in an organisation are always going to feel like they're the the runts of the litter and that this has always just been the case anyway?
1: It's a great question. I think if we think about that cohort, this is the cohort that joined the workforce during the pandemic. So they have had a very different introduction to the Mm. workforce than the rest of the workforce. Um, And we're really seeing that in practice. It's also a group that are more likely to want to come into the office because they're naturally not having that interaction as much. Um, And and it's it's interesting, there's definitely a disconnect between this cohort and their organisations, more so than that has been previous. Uh,
0: One thing that I thought was quite striking about the overall findings of this survey is the proportion of people who say that they've had or that they've discussed some sort of sensitive or almost political matters at work and in a way that's that's completely understandable because people spend eight or nine hours of their day trading around the same piece of carpet with other people. Of course they're going to discuss these things but I wonder does that bring obligations or other uh, issues for employers that they might not have thought about?
1: And it's a really interesting finding of the survey that most people are having those conversations so um, they can be conversations around gender inequality, racial, social injustice so polarising, challenging conversations. Um, people in the survey indicated that the supports are not in place from their organisations in most cases. Um, But interestingly, the impact of these conversations is mostly positive. So people talked about it creating a more inclusive environment, um, increasing empathy in the workforce and having a better understanding of their colleagues. Um, So really what the survey is telling us is that organisations need to embrace the fact that these conversations are happening Hmm. and put in in place the supports that allow for open, trusted, psychological safety conversations to happen.
0: Which is a useful perspective for it actually because you might think that if these conversations were happening and as you say there's no professional sort of support or no kind of support network around it that it might be the sort of stuff that colleagues would fall out over. If they're, if they're discussing political matters and they're like oh well that person thinks this, well, that's there's the no danger. way I'm going to be work with them again but actually if it means that they understand more of each other as people rather than just as colleagues that it can be beneficial.
1: Well that's the danger of, of not putting in place the supports and not encouraging the conversations um, you're absolutely right.
0: Um, does all of this have any upshot for people, as you might say, in the C-suite, people who are in, in at corporate level who need to, to manage HR issues and to, to make sure that it's a more fulfilling workplace for the, their staff? Is that something that, that raises some some shortcomings for them that need to be addressed more urgently?
1: Well, I think traditionally C-suite and leadership um, levels may have just been nervous of these types of conversations and may have been discouraging of of, of encouraging those mm. types of conversations in the workplace. Um, so I think it really is about recognising that the impact is positive and people are getting the benefit of having these open and trusted conversations so from a leadership perspective it really is about embracing that um, ensuring that you're comfortable with having those conversations Um, and again it's not about one opinion being right over another it's Mm. really about understanding that dialogue and being able to have different opinions successfully
0: Uh, The one other thing I should ask you about is whether people are happy with what they're paid what have you found on that front?
1: In terms of uh, what the survey indicates, just under 6 out of 10 people indicated that they do not feel fairly uh, rewarded financially, so a significant number. Mm. Um, And two-thirds of the respondents in Ireland indicated that they would look for a raise in the next 12 months. Um, So it it wouldn't come as a surprise. I think the the cost pressure is is on organisations and people alike at the moment. Mm. Um, What is interesting is that while pay is the number one thing that people consider when changing um, job... The second most important factor is having fulfilling work. And the third most important factor is being able to be themselves at work. So you can see that we quickly move from pure financial money Mm. um, to having more meaning in the work that you do and also then the culture of the organisation that you work for. Um, So there's a total reward piece here that organisations need to think about.
0: Um, One other modern phenomenon as well is the idea of hybrid working or people spending some time working from home or a combination of spending some time in home and in the office. What does the survey tell you about that?
1: So interestingly, two things that I I want to, to flag. So... Uh, approximately half of the Irish respondents indicated that they could not work remotely, um, okay. so it's important to bear that in mind when organisations are looking at their workplace strategy. Um, but if we take those that can work remotely, and um, there is a strong preference to have some element of flexibility in the in the work, um, and whether that's. Um, it tends to span from wanting to work more in the office to wanting to work less in the office. So there really is quite a mix. So what we're seeing is people really want that flexibility. What I think is important to remember is flexibility goes both ways. So when organisations provide flexibility to their employees, employees often give flexibility back in terms of discretionary effort. Um, If we take PwC as an example, um, PwC has very much taken a flexibility approach. Um, Everyday flexibility is what we call it. Mm. And you're uh, expected to look at it from a number of perspectives. So we expect our team members to look at it. Does it work for you? Does it work for your team? And does it work for the client? Mm. Um, and if it works for all three, then it works for for us. But I
0: suppose the nature of your work, though, is that when it's in professional services, it, it is slightly less reliant on being in a physical place at a physical time. And as you say, it's a good reminder that not every industry allows that.
1: Well, that's it. And and we work across industries, so that can also be the case for for us and our employees that sometimes in person is what needs to be done. Um, but as you said, I think it's about flexibility, understanding what work has to be done in an office mm. or in a face to face environment what work is best done in that environment and what work is actually best done um, remotely or or, uh, benefits from that kind of isolated thinking time.
0: Right, we will leave it there. Thanks so much for coming in to talk to us this lunchtime. That's Leisha Milan, who's Senior Manager at PwC People and Organisation, joining us this lunchtime On The Record.
1: On The Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up the new equation on News Talk.